my girlfriend brought it up to me. She's like, oh, did you see that oil prices went negative? And my brain was immediately like, uh, <laughs> oil prices didn't go negative. You know, oh, like, yeah. you're just, You're looking I don't like know what, what you or... saw. Where? Let me, look, you know, give me that. Give, give, let me. Oh, shit. <laughs> oil prices went negative. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Crypto Basic Podcast. It's Brent Philbin here, and Kareem Baruch and Adam Levy are joining me today on a Kareem-centric episode where we are going to be talking about the oil crash. You're probably familiar with what happened, but oil prices for oil futures contracts actually managed to drop negative. That meant that, in theory, you could get paid to go get oil which was pretty crazy. So Kareem broke this down step by step. Adam and I try to follow along as best we could. And I, of course, summarize it at the end with a really inappropriate summary. So if you want to stick around for that, make sure you listen to the whole episode. In the meantime, this episode is going to be really, really interesting as we break down what happens. And we find out that the oil company that didn't have any problems has those problems for a very specific reason. Kareem gets into the ins and outs of the theory behind it, why it happened, why it might happen again, and compares it to gold on the flip side. We talk a little bit about crypto in the end and how it may have mitigated this if it was fully implemented, and I think that it gets pretty interesting. The next episode that you can expect to hear from us is going to be about blockchain in a pandemic world. So if the world was run by blockchain, how would it be? It was a really cool, interesting thread on Reddit that we ended up breaking down uh, together and it was really fun. So look forward to that. And we released a couple of episodes last week that were also just as awesome. We talked about the G20 and their assertion that maybe coins, stable coins, were a systemic threat. And we also talked about whether or not Bitcoin was a safe haven asset not correlated asset safe haven asset those are different so you want to listen to those episodes and figure out those nuances go on back that's episode 233 and 234 this is our 235th episode of the crypto basic podcast and we're going to get it started right now hello everybody and welcome to this edition of the crypto basic podcast my name is kareem baruke and i am here with my co-hosts, uh, Brent Philbin. What's up? It's Brenty Poo. And Adam Ruthless Levy. Hi. It's just me. I don't have a, a nickname besides Ruthless. I'm not, not cool like Brent. I don't have a Brenty Poo name, but <laughs> hey, you know. I mean, Ruthless is a pretty cool nickname, Adam. Don't don't sell yourself. No, Brenty Poo is kind of like yeah. the sickest nickname ever. <laughs> so... For today's topic, guys, I mean, obviously, from the title, you can see we just experienced or saw one of the weirdest financial events, at least of my lifetime, and that is oil prices going negative. <laughs> this was this is insane. I I literally I'm looking like somebody said it. I'm looking at it. I'm like, this can't be what is going on. So I was dumbfounded. Yeah, was I was like, this is this can happen. You things can go negative. What? So I have to admit, I had even more skepticism because it wasn't just like I saw a headline, but my girlfriend brought it up to me. She's like, oh, did you see that oil prices went negative? And my brain was immediately like, uh, (laughs) 
oil prices didn't go negative. You know, oh, like, yeah. You're just, you're I don't like know what, what you or... saw where. Let me, look, you know, give me that. Give, give let me. Oh, shit. <laughs> oil prices went negative. <laughs> so, I don't know. This seems super interesting. I wanted to explore. I mean, if you are interested in the topic, there's a good chance that you already stumbled across an explanation. But I wanted to delve a little deeper, just explore and ask ourselves some questions about what this can tell us about what prices are and markets and how quickly things can change and why uh, and how hard. This is one of the main reasons why this interested me, because it's really hard to evaluate cryptocurrency projects. It's really hard to like assign a value, right? My cousin recently called me and wanted to ask some questions about Bitcoin. And it's still hard, no matter how positive your outlook is on Bitcoin, pretty hard to tell somebody, is it overvalued, undervalued? I have no clue, right? And the fact that something as real, tangible, and necessary as oil can shift in price so hard, literally to the negative (laughs) where you're getting paid to hold it, means that it's not just cryptocurrencies that are hard to value, right? Yeah, I always tell people I have no idea what the price of Bitcoin is, but I have made this apparently stupid statement before on stocks, crypto, and everything. I say, look, if you're shorting something, your losses could, in theory, be infinite because the price can continue to go up astronomically. I'm like, but if you buy a stock and you're holding in your long, then the cap on your losses is 100%. I am completely and utterly incorrect on that, apparently. And it is not capped at 100%. It's capped at something like, uh, I don't know, like 300% losses <laughs> on buying Well, and there are some very interesting dynamics at play here, which we're also going to discuss because I think when it comes to a stock, Brent, or maybe even a cryptocurrency, you'd be right. It should be capped at zero. But one of the things uh, that becomes really important in this story of how the modern economy works is that when you're buying and selling gold or or oil or a lot of of times you're not buying and selling the real commodity, but we're selling contracts and Mm -hmm. pieces of paper about ownership of the future. And these financial instruments have been created and evolved and they become more and more complex. But sometimes crunch time, some, you know, unique situations force kind of like the reality of like, all right, well, who's going to take this oil? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so where's this yeah, gonna go? I don't care about the contract. The barrel's here. I have a fun quote at the end of this that is gonna really sum all this up for, for us in a easy to understand way. I'm just gonna tease that right now, but I'll let you get I'll let you go. Very excited to hear that. Very excited. So what is the price? I'm gonna go exactly from the top just to cover some basics. We saw the price of oil go into negative territory for the first time in history. Specifically, this is important, it was WTI crude oil, not all oil prices all over the world. WTI stands for West Texas Intermediate Grade Oil. And apparently, that is one of the two global standards that's used to estimate the the price of oil, right? This is especially used in the Americas. It's a US-based oil price, let's say. And at its worst, it reached a low of minus $40 a barrel. That means for every (laughs) barrel of oil you took, you got $40. Yeah. Well, to interject just quickly, I don't know if you were going to get to this or not, but barrel is just a measurement. You don't actually get the physical barrel, and that ends up being the problem. Right. It's kind of like an ounce of gold. 
you know or I mean maybe maybe I'm wrong but I heard that apparently you could if you bought the the barrel of like $40 negative 40 they needed places to store the physical barrel so you would actually get barrels like no no that I, I think that's the problem nobody had the barrels if anybody had barrels they would have taken it they would have gotten paid to put well, it in Well look there. it's an interesting so it, it was it was interesting it's an interesting look. question but it's not it's not really the barrels themselves that are the core issue here. So let's dive a little deeper, right? Whether or not the Ooh. barrels exist or are available or reachable. Let's just think about space. So here's the situation. The industry, first of all, I don't know if you guys have heard about something called the coronavirus. It's a transmission thing that's been going on for the past yeah, couple of months. It's been getting real. And uh, the world shut down, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, the uh, oil and gas has not been able to adjust its production. They haven't been able to slow it down fast enough to counter the drop in demand. Even though some plants have been shutting off or slowing down, it hasn't been fast enough. They're still producing too quickly. The global demand for oil, now that people aren't allowed to travel, a lot of people are in quarantine, right? There's not a lot of demand. Think about all the restaurants that are not having food delivered to them to prep, right? So- Global demand for oil has dropped 29 million barrels of oil a day. 29 million a day. So we went from about 100 million barrels of oil consumption per day to about 70, more or less a 30% drop. But more importantly here (laughs) is that the storage uh, capacity, which normally is used to stabilize price. So a lot of people are familiar with the idea that diamonds had their price manipulated inflated by just people who own diamond mines or something, storing a bunch of diamonds and only releasing a little bit into the market, right? So oil does this too. When we have an oversupply of oil and the oil producers want the price to stay a little high, they just store more of it, right? But the problem is this Mm -hmm. sharp drop in demand for oil means that the storage is filling up way too quickly. So as a reference point, for example, West Texas is normally stored in a facility in Oklahoma called the Cushing facility. Its capacity is 62 million barrels of oil, which can fill up half of the tanks in the U.S. Wow. Fully fill half the tanks Jesus. in the U.S., okay? They are already almost full. That was one of the reasons why West Texas started kind of declining worldwide. Again, this is just for more context about the storage because this is used to a cycle where the oil is being produced and it's being used up at a certain rate, right? So worldwide, the current supply demand that we have now because of corona means that the inventories are going to increase by about 1.6 billion barrels in the first half of 2020. That's barrels going from non-existing to production and now they have to go to storage. 1.6 1.6 billion. The problem is we only have about 1.4 billion left in capacity. I kind of mistyped it here, but it's basically we are about to fill up inventories by more than capacity is left over. Okay. So Kareem, just a thought experiment here. You are in charge of oil buying and you have what let's call them strategic reserves sitting around that you sometimes have empty, sometimes have full. Like it's strategic, right? You have to decide when to put oil. You're also in a position where you're going to be telling the country that you're running, that you need to lock it down because of a pandemic. Should you then also immediately buy as much oil as you can to fill up those barrels 
because it's like toilet paper and it's going to disappear. Or it's going to be the opposite where you know that demand's going to go down <laughs> and price is going to continue to crash. <laughs> Thank you for uh, understanding that, Kareem. You're handling those strategic reserves perfectly. Not that that's a parallel to an exact thing that Apparently, happened. Apparently, oil tankers have been used more so that they can store oil as well. So that's been a thing. Like, I, I don't know how much compared to, you know, the Cushing facility, but they've been having to hold uh, oil on their tankers and just kind of sitting around. I don't, I don't know how. Yeah, nobody will take it. Yeah. Where else well, if you want to know how much exactly, we are definitely going there. You're 100% right about the tankers. That's going to be one of the references later on. But to put this in national context, right, what each country's capacity can handle I'm going to give you a measure of assuming that the country could no longer export oil because demand is drying up, how many days of production could each country store at home, okay? For the United States, 30 days. If we could no longer export oil, we have about 30 days of internal production that we can store. For Saudi Arabia, 18 days. For Russia, eight days. For Nigeria, which is the largest oil exporter in Africa, one and a half days. If they can't export, what? they're Jesus. full. They're completely filled up. Okay. Now, essentially, what happened? Because this goes back to the question of how could a price possibly go negative? What ended up happening is when you trade these contracts, you are saying that you're going to take delivery, but these usually get moved around and sold and whatever. But here, these contracts are going to fill up, and none of the people who owned the contracts could have any way to store the oil. And it became such a demand for space over oil that the people who had the responsibility in the contract that said that they had to take oil were willing to pay anybody who could store the oil to take those contracts off their hands. Yeah, this is crazy. So we just have a bunch of oil tankers dry floating around out there that are now stuck with nowhere to go because nobody can well, tend to no, oil. There could be an oil spill because they're just floating around in the middle of, of you know. It's important to note, guys, that the tankers are mostly being hired by investors. So now these are people who are essentially seeing the massive discount on oil contracts and are saying, okay, we're going to pay for a tanker, which now has bid up the price of charter you know, sailing, of course, by almost more than double. So right now, renting one of those tankers cost about $385,000 a day. And each one of those tankers can store 2 million barrels of oil. So essentially, these are investors that are jumping into the market, buying the contracts, renting these tankers, and hoping that they can wait long enough that when the price of oil stabilizes, they can sell and the storage cost at sea isn't that much considering they got paid for well, all right hold on cream i just did some quick math quick crypto basic math 82 million dollars what you would get if you took a full tanker full of oil at its lowest price we can rent that tanker for a long time let's go buy a let's go buy an oil tanker let's boys. do it 82 million dollars how many days is that uh three hundred eighty-five thousand dollars per day hold on that's a 80 per day we could hold that for 200 days, guys. We could almost hold that thing a year. We could have some serious parties. I'm actually really glad you did that math, though, Brent, because this shows that even for the people that have the capital to take this kind of, oh, hey, they're giving away oil, literally, and the ones that are able to rent a tanker, it's still not guaranteed for them because you just pointed out 
best case scenario, it's still only about a year time frame. If you can't flip that oil, you know, if production doesn't slow down, because one of the things that we have to remember here is that there's competing parties. So for example, some countries rely on their oil production. They're not about to scale down just because you're stuck with tankers at sea or because people don't have storage. You know what I mean? So who knows if they're going to profit? My, I mean, they probably are, but they're definitely taking a risk. All right. Now, a couple of things worth noting, guys. June contracts are still positive. So we don't know. That doesn't mean like it, this is a new standard, new permanent or whatever. These contracts were about to expire. That's why we saw that rapid crash, right? Like we were about to get mm. to the day where they have to take delivery of that oil, essentially, and they were willing to pay whatever to get it off their hands. Now, a new month of contracts and those contracts are still positive. So that's one thing to know. Also, I told you that there were two international standards. I want to play a little trivia right here. Can either one of you guess the name of the other price benchmark for oil? Brent, I think you have an advantage here. I don't know this okay. for Maybe sure, but I'll add price on benchmark. Like- so one of them is called West Texas. Oh, okay. And the other one is... Saudi Arabia somewhere. That's a good guess. I would guess something like that. Brent, do you know? It, I, I'm just going to go with standard oil. With Hopefully, it's trading under the term STD. No, 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 no. So... This Damn is actually it. called the Brent Crude Standard. Not kidding. You can Google it. Brent is named after you. And no. this is the I knew this it. is the international standard that's used by basically outside the US. And it stayed around as it twenty-five dollars the whole time. So really it was more of an American problem, an American storage problem, American crude production problem, right? And Brent handled their shit properly as they it's always just do. Just another reference price. Here's the advantage <laughs> that here's the advantage that the Brent price has is that the production outside the United States has a lot more, let's say, places where it can be stored because it's this global uh, network. So apparently, it just has more outlet points. Whereas, like West Texas is only stored in the U.S. So I'm looking at Brent, and it's in the middle of the North Sea where these are stored. Which is right near north, like west of Norway, above United, the UK, and I guess whereas Cushing, when I looked at the facility, is just in Texas or in Oklahoma, in like a bunch of fields. So I don't know if that is is like makes it so you can have, uh, I mean, more storage. I don't know if there's difference in having it. Well, have you ever seen a an oil tanker from that region, or not oil tanker? I'm sorry, an oil rig. From that region, they are awesome. They look like they should blow over in a strong wind, but they have these massive like barrels under them or of concrete where they store the oil. And I don't know, they're really cool looking. I mean, this is ultimately a really fascinating topic, guys. It really shows the volatility of price. There's another connection made to one of the things we discussed that I'll touch on later, but I want to mention some of the responses. Like, okay, so we, we saw that the oil flash crashed, essentially, price. Halliburton is a oil field engineering company, and they think that there's a lot of instability coming up here, that the pandemic has created so much turmoil in the industry that they don't think they can reasonably estimate how long this hit's going to last. So a lot of people are very positive that we'll turn things around soon, but they are saying, no, we actually don't know. OPEC plus, 
which is the, you know, mostly Middle Eastern countries plus Russia plus a couple of Soviet states. And it's this oil block that tries to act together. They responded by cutting oil production by 9.7 million barrels per day. That's got to cost them a lot it of is, money. And it is, and it helps a little bit. But remember, we pointed out that demand has been lowered by 30 million barrels a day, 29 actually, right? So here- OPEC, Right, so they're still overproducing. Right, OPEC saying, hey, we'll do less, but that's not really accounting for the gap that demand is not there for the amount of production that we have. And it's going to increase by 20 million barrels all the time, at least at the current rate. What else? Brent, you actually talked about oil importing countries, and a lot of them are taking advantage now that these oil prices are really reaching new lows to fill up their storage, but that's also contributing to filling up storage, right? There's less places to store. To be clear, what I was talking about was uh, the day before Trump finally stopped saying that the coronavirus was a hoax, he topped off the entirety of the U.S. strategic oil reserve at like... $30 $30 a barrel or whatever, right when he was about to announce something that would clearly completely diminish demand for oil. He's an idiot. I'm sorry. <laughs> so it just, it, and it was historic lubricant. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, it was just like, not that I want to just sit there and, and bash on Donald Trump, but this is like a show where we're talking about financials. And that seems like you didn't know that. So you weren't answering me that based on no. knowing that Donald Trump had done that. You were just answering that question being like, what? Of course not. That's the yeah. thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just interesting. It's, it, it, it's interesting. Par for the course. So I was just curious. Could you – we couldn't just rent. Uh, so let's say that these investors of like in different countries, they want to get storage. Can they just get a warehouse and store them or do they all need to be stored in – you know, like why, why – you know, when you look at the Cushing oil, it's all these round – you know, massive oil containers. So look, I don't know all of the answers, but I think there's a couple of guesses. Number one, you got to store it somewhere where the ordinance laws and zoning laws are correct, right? Like I'm pretty sure you can't just get somewhere near a residential and store uranium just because the price is good. So that's like one hurdle, (laughs) you know? Another hurdle is actually moving this stuff around and having a plan of action. Like, Especially in the quantities, right? Like, okay, maybe a couple of people find ways to do some low quantities. I don't even know like what quantities they operate. But my guess is that the people that are moving these markets are buying hundreds of thousands of, of barrels, millions. You know what I'm saying? Like tens of thousands of barrels, let's say. And that the operations have to be big and massive. So... Yeah, I, I was envisioning just showing up to like a port with like a couple oil drums and being like, yo, let me get my hundred bucks. <laughs> like, I don't know if that is something that could be done. But if I was near a port city and I had an oil drum, I would have tried it. You bet you're Yeah, I just but, buy a couple uh containers and then they're just like stored in my closet. I got two. I don't know. It's just like kind of funny images when you find out that you could literally buy oil or take it up right. the, all three stories to the top of your apartment <laughs> complex. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah this is my new table <laughs> and as far as the tankers yeah, that you pointed out adam just to give these specific numbers it's a, a record 160 million barrels are at sea right now that's with approximately 2 million barrels max on each boat and that is up from the last time we ever saw anything close to that was after the great recession in 2009 where investors did something similar, bought cheap oil, kept it at cheap, but that was about 100 million barrels. So we're already at almost double. And we've also never seen the negative price. But now 
this is the part where <laughs> you guys know Peter Schiff, right? Yeah. He's the he's one big of the gold big, guy, gold big anti-blockchain. Very anti-crypto. We'll call him Goldilocks. He is very anti-crypto, and I don't agree with him on his crypto views, but he has very interesting things to say when it comes to gold. He does know the market. He understands it. And this is a great tweet. Quote, the oil price is now negative $3 per barrel. What is happening now in the oil market will soon happen in reverse in the gold market. In oil, shorts are trying to deliver, but the longs don't want it. In gold, the longs will try to deliver, will try to take delivery, but the shorts won't have it. So I just want to break down exactly what he means there for anybody that didn't get it. Is he's saying essentially the longs are the people, right? Like the people who are buying the kind of when you're buying something, you're long on it. So in oil, right, the shorts are trying to deliver. They're trying to deliver the oil. Okay, here you go. And the longs, the people who bought the contract, don't want it. That exact same thing is going to happen in reverse with paper gold in the sense that a lot of people have bought paper gold. Uh, instead of like buying physical gold, they have bought uh, a contract or some kind of equity in, a, in some kind of firm that tells them that they have their gold somewhere, right? right. And what he's saying is or pretty soon- They sold a contract that they promised to buy on the other end if- Exactly. They're essentially getting a promise from somebody else that they'll buy the gold. Now, here's the problem. When all of those people who bought the contract say, okay, I want my gold, just like the people who sold the contract to deliver oil said, okay, I want to deliver this oil, the people on the other side either can't afford or don't have access to buy the physical gold because the market is overbought. Too many people bought paper contracts and there was not enough physical gold to go around. His implication here, whether he's wrong or right or whatever, but it talks about how prices can fluctuate rapidly. The implication here being, you ever wonder how something like the price of gold could go up, let's say, fivefold or sixfold almost overnight? And it sounds ridiculous. Well, that's exactly what happened to oil in reverse here. A massive, right. unbelievable fluctuation that doesn't make any logical sense that you would sell a physical good for negative money. You know, especially something as valuable as oil, arguably the most valuable resource of the 20th century, and it goes negative. Why? Because the markets and the contracts and the complexity that we've created on top of it isn't always reflective of the underlying reality, which means that when the market adjusts, it can do so violently and drastically. It's pretty – I mean, I guess maybe not awesome, but it's pretty cool – that, uh, from a market, from yeah. a market, like you know, just zooming out and you know, printed. If I had oil, it's not cool at all. You know, no, dispassionate but, perspective. Yeah, but just looking at like markets and kind of studying them almost from an economic POV. P POV. POV. Nobody's been watching a lot of adult films. <laughs> no, I've been watching too much. No, no, no. It's been too much TikTok is what the problem is, and there's a lot of POVs on there, and I'm just like, I, I never, whatever. Anyways, oh, moving on. TikTok is ran would, by the Chinese, the Chinese government, government, bro. What are you doing? You, you, of course, Jesus. you Tron fanboy. They've been brainwashing you. It's too you know good. Yeah. TikTok's just too funny. There's there's a lot of creative people on there. I made a few TikToks. I think that what's happening is like Instagram just got too influencery where like people are using TikTok or inf Instagram as like a business. There's TikTok doesn't really have that much more of a value add over Instagram, except that not everyone is trying to sell you something. Oh, on yeah, and also TikTok gives you no choice. You're literally just being fed by an algorithm. So it 
magnifies the whole echo well, you chamber. Can and search, you can search or whatever you want, but you, so you can – there's an well, algorithm on Instagram feed, too. Right? You what? just get the feed. Well, you get uh, – there's a for you page, which is people you follow, and then there's just like a random feed. So you know like they you were can, filtering out ugly people, right? And poor people. I, and I, did, people. I did find that that That's was why you got no likes. <laughs> no, <laughs> man. But, but I will say that anyway. it, I think that TikTok is becoming one of the oh, yeah. best social medias. And I think it's because there was a need for – Vine was huge. But Twitter had to shutter Vine. And then now they reopened and uh, TikTok is just kind of – I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how the government – deals with tiktok being so massive because i think that they are going to be and mining all of our data for china you know what yeah i'm as an homage to this little uh derailment i'm gonna add a link in the show notes to you guys know polymatter on youtube it's one of the best youtubers he's awesome he did a tiktok video we'll put put the link on there for anybody that wants uh you know their tiktok no to to learn about tiktok Oh, oh, he did a oh, TikTok okay. video about like what, what is it is. TikTok, okay, okay, yeah. okay. All right. So, so anyways, bring, bring I was, this back I was just real saying quick. that P, the, the POV is what, you know, from the POV point of view. Oh, it's called uh, Fusion. Sorry. It was called Fusion, the YouTuber. But yes. Oh, okay. But yeah, I just thought it's pretty cool to just see, you know, how markets move. It's uh, fascinating. I agree with so you. In a situation where we were having similar futures contracts on cryptocurrency, uh, since this is a crypto podcast, and I know we haven't talked a ton about crypto here. This is just something super interesting that's happening to everybody in the world. So it was it was fun to to expand on. But if you had a Bitcoin future, you do not have to deal with all of these extraneous features unless, of course, the Bitcoin futures end up being significantly more than the entire Bitcoin market, which when that happens, we will, in theory, know that it's happening, right? But if you close a Bitcoin contract one way or the other, you don't have to worry about the logistics of getting delivery of your Bitcoin, if that makes sense. So that's an interesting upside that that commodity would have. It's also interesting if we had put everything on a public blockchain, because this is the kind of stuff that maybe WTI would have known internally that they were going to have this problem. And maybe they would have told some people and maybe they would have been like, I don't know what we're going to do with this oil when it gets there. But if the data was on a chain somewhere, somebody could have just said, like, yo, there's too much oil showing up. Like, kill it or it's going to end up tanking the price. And we can make that sort of adjustment there. But Brian, so- I just want to add something to what you just said there. Because, see, it's it's not always just a lack of information, but the, the like, let's say, opposition of incentives, right? The oil producers understand that the demand has decreased drastically. But when you sell oil, you don't really have an incentive to make less oil. You don't, you know what I'm right. saying? So what's interesting about blockchain environments is that they also give us opportunity where we can have automated system, automated contracts, right? Like a lot of, let's say the, the lending platforms that are used, which in some forms are using leverage and crypto and stuff like that, but they auto close out, right? They can auto decentralized have automatic kind of triggers and and things of that nature, which might keep things from getting too out of hand, or like it might account for the fact that uh, people's self-interest isn't relevant because you just assume everybody will always look up for their self-interest. So let's not have centralized control of any kind, you know? Yeah. So I'm I'm wondering what it would look like if we had like uh, something like the maker, uh, the, the, DAO there where it's kind of controlling prices 
where it's distributing like tickets for producing oil. It's like you're allowed to produce this much oil because we know that that's what you need to produce in order to keep the price normal. Something like that. I, I don't know. It's, it's a weird thought experiment. I do want I, I promised you guys a quote. Now, I thought I would get to this faster, but I don't know where the quote came from originally. It was in one of my WhatsApp groups, but I think it really sums this whole thing up. I think we did a good job of explaining it. Uh, well, Kareem did a good <laughs> job of explaining it. Me and Adam did a good job of shutting up and listening. But this this really put it in perspective for me, and I don't know if you guys, you know, this might make sense to you as well. Imagine the following. You pay $500 today and commit to receiving an escort at your house in 15 days because your girlfriend will then be traveling. Unfortunately, quarantine came and your girlfriend will be home for the next three months. <laughs> like all girlfriends from all over the world, you do not want this woman to show up at your house at all. And you try to pass this future contract with the escort to someone. <laughs> Only you cannot sell this commitment because nobody can receive the escort at home anymore. Everyone is home with their respective girlfriends. To make matters worse, not even the pimp has more room to receive girls because his house is crowded with other girls. Do you understand why oil may have a negative price when the contract is delivered? <laughs> That's a, that was Definitely. a great, yeah, that, that, I like that. That was great. That, you know, that really put it into perspective for me. It, it, it kicked the light on. I was like, oh, there we go. Now I understand. <laughs> Got to talk into escort analogies for brand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is said that investors <laughs> are buying hotel rooms at sea in order to store. The- <laughs> Did you know that, that uh, homeless people are being stored or I guess not stored, but they're not like carton. Wow. <laughs> I mean, like, they're in storage. Wow. It's, it's not like they are paying for it. Uh, they're just being allowed to stay in hotels during in LA. And that's kind of been like a way for, uh, I guess, hotels to keep functioning or something. Hey, listen, I was finally able to buy toilet paper at Trader Joe's. And apparently Trader Joe's just went to a hotel that makes their own toilet paper because they're so big and they have no business. And they're like, hey, we'll just buy your toilet paper supply. And the hotel's like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, toilet paper, gold, oil. These are all commodities that can fluctuate in demand and price. We live in a complex society. There's a lot of intricacies, guys. Uh, And, you know, sometimes things that seem impossible can happen. Negative oil is possible. Like negative oil and the fact that you just said gold, oil, and toilet paper Mm -hmm. are commodities. Two months, three months ago, we would have never thought we would be uttering either of those sentences. (laughs) <laughs> here's the hilarious thing about toilet paper i don't know if i've even said this in the podcast I've said it to so many people that one makes the least mm-hmm. amount of sense to me now i know because people do panic buying that i had to grab a couple things of toilet paper plus like i get mud butt a lot right so i when i was preparing for this and i think i said it on the podcast i grabbed two bigger things of toilet paper i'm still only like halfway through it right so i that's it that's all i did but like the demand doesn't change for toilet paper in a pandemic. It changes for oil. Everybody shits. So the demand for toilet paper is the exact same. In fact, less people eating McDonald's and stuff like that might decrease demand for toilet paper in the short <laughs> term for what's going on. So it is hilarious that the reason toilet paper became this commodity that ran out is because people were saying it was going to mm-hmm. run out. So what happened is the first time a store was out of toilet paper – Somebody went on went on TikTok and told Adam, hey, 
the the toilet paper's out at the store. So Adam was like, holy crap. And he ran to his store. And he's he like, I got the last toilet paper. And he put it on like, guys, hurry up. You want me to get some for you? And had to buy four instead. <laughs> and everyone's sharing it because it's so ridiculous that it's toilet paper, right? And everyone's continuing to share it and continuing to share it. And then, therefore, it it's like a bubble. There is going to be an overabundance of toilet paper here in the next couple of weeks. If you've got toilet paper futures, get off them now. Sell them. You know, you want to be short toilet paper in the long term. But, uh, yeah, anyway. just All right, guys. Before we wrap up here, this is kind of a little bonus segment. I just got a message on Discord from Salco101, S-A-L-K-O-101. And I just wanted your help. It says here that I've been randomly selected among crypto Discord channels, such as a bunch of channels. <laughs> and apparently I won 25 Ether. Now, yeah. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah, it, just, it gives me instructions on how to so go lucky. withdraw. I didn't have to register, participate in a drop or anything. This You're is amazing. You're just so lucky. I'm so lucky. Now, is there any chance that this could be a scam, guys? No. Not. Zero. Remember that people are listening. <laughs> oh. Okay. Sorry, yes. This 100% scam. Yeah, we're going to... It's 100% scam. Stop. I, I hope Discord deals with this soon. Uh, uh, I think it was Peace Dude that posted in our Discord the link to the Discord feature where they're trying to deal with this. And the way Discord implements features is you go and you upvote them. So definitely go upvote the Discord feature of stopping these random bots messaging people, getting access to your list and that kind of thing. It's gone down a little bit, but it's Should still pretty bad. Too, like, you know, so they can like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, I report them or I would report them if there was a way. Right. Like there's I don't think there's a way to report them even like every other site there is. But Discord doesn't do that. So it's a little Interesting, bit. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I hope that you guys enjoyed this topic. I certainly enjoyed learning about it, Brent. And I talked about it a little bit earlier in the week. It's just nuts. Didn't believe it when I hear it, but it's true. Hopefully one of these days we wake up and they say, oh, did you hear Bitcoin went to the moon? Maybe that'll happen, guys. Yeah. It could happen quick. Went to the moon on a rocket powered by Elon. It's going to happen. Anyway. In the meantime, if you were uh, jonesing for some crypto content, you can jump on our newsletter. Uh, you can go cryptobasicpodcast.com slash newsletter, or there's a little pop-up in the corner on the main page that you can sign up. You're going to get my portfolio delivered, not the amounts, but the percentages. And I kind of give you the reasoning behind all that stuff. So do that. We're going to be sending more emails out a lot. So it's, it's cool. It's going to be a, a way to kind of get your news fix now that we're moving away from the rapid fire flagship style content so check it out and join our discord join our patreon do all that stuff and remember we are not financial advisors uh we are just uh three crypto basic idiots uh maybe crypto basic bitches do your own research for sure that's important all right all right